Galatians chapter 3, verses 9 through 14. I'd like to read this once more. Galatians 3, 9 through 14. We'll be covering verses 13 and 14 in this sermon today. Reading out of the HCSB in this lesson. Beginning at verse 9, Galatians 3 says, So those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, because it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue doing everything written in the book of the law. Now it is clear that no one is justified before the Almighty by the law, because the righteous will live by faith. But the law is not based on faith. Instead, the one who does these things will live by them. I taught on those verses last week, specifically 11 and 12. This week's text, 13 and 14, we read, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Because it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The purpose was that the blessing of Abraham would come to the Gentiles in Christ Yeshua so that we could receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. May Yahweh bless His word to our hearts this day. In our last lesson, I discussed how verses 11 and 12 are a continuation of verse 10's judgment on those who are of the works of the law, or as the HCSB just put it, those who rely on the works of the law. Both of those are good translations. I prefer the King James. It's more literal in that verse, those who are of the works of the law. Being of the works of the law has to do not with the law per se, but with the mentality that a person has about the law. It's a mentality that's contrasted with being of faith. A man of faith is a faithful man. He's a penitent man. A man of the works of the law looks like a holy man, but is in reality an unholy man who is relying on a few works or who is relying on his own flesh to make him righteous. The Pharisees, for the majority, were of the works of the law. Zechariah and Elizabeth in Luke 1.6, they were of faith. They were true law keepers. They were faith-filled law keepers. As I've said before, it's worth repeating, faith without works is dead being alone, right? The Bible also teaches that works apart from faith are dead being alone. So we don't want to just say we have faith And we don't want to just do a few works here and there. We want to be of faith and let that produce faithfulness. A person can obey outwardly and not possess inwardly. A person can go through some motions and not have a heart change. A person can be a soil that when a seed is planted into that soil, they spring up and it looks healthy for a time, but because it has no root, it withers away. Person of faith obeys. They obey based upon the faith that exists in their heart. But they also understand that they are forever in need of a substitute sacrifice. And with that thought, we move into verse 13 today, which says, Again, the Messiah has redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us, because it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hung on a tree. The focus here is on the Messiah. And that is because Yeshua the Messiah is the vehicle that Yahweh uses to deliver His people from their sins. This is echoed by the same author, 
Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 18-19, where he writes, Now everything is from the Almighty, who reconciled us to Himself through the Messiah, and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in the Messiah, the Almighty was reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. That's how the curse is lifted off of us. Now, I believe that the phrase, the curse of the law in Galatians 3.13 is a reference back to the end of Galatians 3 verse 10, where Paul quotes from Deuteronomy 27 about the curses pronounced in the law. A curse is pronounced upon everyone who is not faithful to the covenant. And that's all of us, then and now, at one time or another. We've all fallen short of the glory of the Almighty. For the Gentiles, their life was characterized by unfaithfulness. Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 6 that some of the Gentile believers in the Messiah used to be idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, thieves, greedy, drunkards, swindlers. Such lifestyles most assuredly carried with them the curse of the law. According to Leviticus chapter 18, verses 24 through 25, even the non-Israelite nations were under the curse. And they were kicked out of their own land, the land of Canaan, because they had defiled it with heinous sins. And Deuteronomy 9 verse 4 echoes that by saying that Yahweh said to Israel, I'm not giving you this land because of your righteousness, but because of the wickedness of the other nations. Wickedness means transgressing of the law. That's the only definition for wickedness is the transgression of the law. That's sin. So the non-Israelite nations were under the curse. They were removed from their own land based upon their wickedness. So if we transfer that mindset over into the first century with men like Cornelius, uncircumcised in the flesh, he came to believe in Yeshua, but... He had grown up in the same or similar way that the pagan nations in Leviticus 18 and Deuteronomy 9 had. They had not grown up serving Yahweh. They were not taught the law or the Torah from childhood. That's why they were uncircumcised. That's why Cornelius was, is because his parents didn't serve Yahweh, the mighty one of Israel. And so the Gentiles had grown up under the curse of the law. Well, how could the curse be removed off of Gentile pagans, heathen? Sinners. The answer is, the Messiah became a curse for us. The Almighty was in the Messiah, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting their trespasses against them. See, the Messiah acts as a representative for all Gentiles who place their trust in Him. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by Him. So when an idolater or an adulterer or a homosexual or a thief repents of their sin and places their trust in Yeshua, the promise of Yahweh, the curse of the law that fell upon them is lifted off. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, Such were some of you, but you are washed. But why does Paul write the Messiah has redeemed us from the curse of the law? 
Why does Paul say us? When we know for certain that Paul was not an uncircumcised heathen like Cornelius. Paul was raised in Judaism. Circumcised the eighth day of the tribe of Benjamin. Hebrew of the Hebrews. Pharisee of the Pharisees. Concerning zeal, he said, I persecuted the church. As touching the law, I was blameless. Well, why does Paul use the pronoun us? The Messiah became a curse for us, including himself in there. Why is Paul under the curse of the law, just like the heathen sinners that did not grow up serving Yahweh? This is why. Paul recognized himself under the curse of the law because he now, in his saved state, in his messianic state, realized that his former mindset, the mindset of being of the works of the law, also placed himself in the same boat as the Gentile heathen. Paul believed that a few outward works of righteousness is what counted him as righteous and justified in the sight of the Almighty. But when he came to a genuine realization of the Almighty in the Messiah, he began to realize, my righteousness is not based upon these works. My righteousness is based in Christ. My righteousness is based in the one that is my substitute that took my place upon the tree that was hung on the tree and became a curse for me. See, the law taught repentance. The law taught that all Israelites were sinners who needed atonement. That's what the whole sacrificial system was about, was the forgiveness of sins. So the gospel was located in the law. The law taught repentance. The law taught the need for confession. The law taught the need for forgiveness. The law taught the need for atonement. The law looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. We're going to find a little bit later on in Galatians 3 that Paul said the law was our guardian or our tutor to lead us to the Messiah. What particular part of the law teaches us and leads us to the Messiah? It's the sacrificial system. Everything about it teaches us about Christ. And the sacrificial system, brothers and sisters, many people in Christianity have it wrong as though the sacrificial system was bad and Christ is good. That's not what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that the sacrificial system was good. It did exactly what Yahweh designed it for. But Christ is better. See, that's the biblical teaching. It's not bad and good. It's good and better. I used to tell my children when they were little, I love to eat ice cream and I like chocolate ice cream. I do. But to me, vanilla is better. But if you put chocolate in front of me, I'll eat it. But if you ask me my choice, I'll say, give me vanilla. Because I want vanilla. It's better to me. The sacrificial system was good. But Yeshua is better. See? So the law taught all of this. You don't have to wait until John the Baptizer or Yeshua or Paul or Peter to hear the gospel. The gospel is taught in the sacrificial system in the law. It is. I'll read a verse that shows that here in a second. Many Israelites in the first century, they lost sight of that. And they believed they were worthy of salvation just because of who they were in the flesh. Well, I was circumcised the eighth day by my parents. I'm a Judahite. I'm an Israelite in the flesh. What do I have to worry about? And you Gentile, if you want to be saved, faith in the Messiah, faith in the the coming Savior, that's not enough. You've got to become one of us. You've got to take upon yourself the marks of Judaism as we prescribe them for you to do. That's what Galatians is all about. But no, no, no. Even during the Old Covenant, 
the only Israelites who exempted themselves from the curse were those who were of faith. That's because salvation's always been by faith. By grace through faith. It's never been by works. It's always been by grace through faith. And faith, when I say faith, I'm talking about a living faith. I'm not talking about a dead faith. I'm not talking about a faith that says, yes, I know Yahweh is one and I tremble like the demons. No, James says, but they don't have any works. I'm talking about a living, penitent, active, obedient faith. That's what we're justified. That's the type of faith we're justified by. So during the Old Covenant, the Israelites, the only Israelites that were exempted from the curse of the law in the Old Covenant were the ones who were faithful to all that the covenant taught them. And the curse, listen carefully now, the curse was removed on an earthly plane, on an earthly scale, by the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer. Now I know that might go against what most Christians believe. But if you read the Old Testament, if you read the Torah, and you believe what it says, the Bible clearly says that the blood of animals forgave the sins of the Israelites. Read it in Leviticus 16. But it is only talking about on an earthly scale. Not an eternal scale, not a heavenly scale, not one that can forgive your sins in the life to come, but one that could forgive your sins and purify you and enable you entrance into the earthly tabernacle or the earthly tent of meeting. That's what those sacrifices did. Yahweh wasn't blowing smoke when He set up that sacrificial system. It was perfect in what it was designed to do. But it was not designed to remove your sins on the eternal plane, on the eternal level. Hebrews 9, 11-15 puts it beautifully. I can't say it any better than the author of Hebrews. Listen carefully as I read this from Hebrews 9. Beginning at verse 11. Now the Messiah has appeared, high priest of the good things that have come, in the greater and more perfect tabernacle. You catch that? Greater. Earthly one was great. Messiah is high priest of the greater, more perfect tabernacle. Not made with hands, that is not of this creation. Verse 12, He entered the Holy of Holies once for all. Which Holy of Holies? The heavenly one, not in the earthly one. That was where the Levite high priest entered once a year. The Messiah entered the heavenly Holy of Holies tabernacle, which the earthly one was patterned after. He entered the Holy of Holies once for all, not by the blood of goats and calves, but by His own blood having obtained eternal redemption. Not just redemption, but eternal redemption. For if the blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer, sprinkling those who are defiled, sanctify for the purification of the flesh, that's what they do. They do something. It's a reality. Yahweh set it up for that. Verse 14. How much more will the blood of the Messiah who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to the Almighty, cleanse our consciences from dead works to serve the living Almighty. Therefore, He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called might receive the promise of the eternal inheritance. Because a death has taken place for redemption from the transgressions committed under the first covenant. So His death doesn't just cover the sins eternally of the people that lived during His time or us that lived after, but also the ones that lived before Him. The transgressions taking place under the first covenant. So the Judahites, the Israelites, and the Gentiles, the heathens, they all fall under the curse of the law in one way or the other. So if, if you're an Israelite today, by some chance, you still fall under the curse of the law. And if you're not, you fall under the curse of the law too. 
Every mouth is stopped, and the whole world stands guilty before the Creator. And the blood of a bull and a goat will not give you inheritance on the eternal plane. It will not forgive your sins. It's not powerful enough to forgive your sins in the heavenly holy of holies. That's what the blood of the Messiah is for. Not the blood of a bull or of a goat. Great, greater. Every mouth is stopped. All the world stands guilty before the Creator. But when anyone, when anyone from any nation, any ethnos, places faith in the Messiah, Yahweh removes the curse of the law from that person. And it's because the Messiah became a curse for us. And Yahweh gives us the right then, not just to enter into the earthly tabernacle made with human hands, but to enter into the eternal inheritance made by unhuman hands. The hands of Yahweh, the self-existent one. Yeshua the Messiah represents us. He takes upon Himself our penalty in our place so that we don't have to perish eternally. It should have been me hanging upon that tree. It should have been you those nails rightfully belonged in your hands. That whip rightfully belonged on Brother Matthew's back. Those thorns should have been pierced into your school. And I should have been the one and you should have been the one hanging there on the cross or the tree, naked in shame for everybody to see. That's the thing of our Messiah there. I know the pictures show him with a loincloth around, but no. He was beaten, marred more than you could even tell he was a human being. And he stood there, hung there, naked, in shame. And became a curse. The Almighty was in the Messiah, reconciling the world unto Himself. Yeshua the Messiah became a curse for us. Don't ever leave those two little words out. It was for us. Both those who grew up in the law as Israel... And those who grew up outside the law is not Israel. All are one. All are equal in salvation when we place faith in the Messiah. Because He hung there for us. Not two different Messiahs. Not two different ways of salvation. Not two different levels of salvation. Not a greater status for the Judahite above the Gentile. But one Messiah for everyone who has faith. Yahweh created one new man in Him. And Paul says that this curse is removed because of what is written in Deuteronomy 21-23. Paul says He became a curse for us because this is written. And listen what Deuteronomy 21-23 says. If anyone is found guilty of an offense deserving the death penalty and is executed, and you hang his body on a tree, you are not to leave his corpse on the tree overnight but are to bury him that day. For anyone hung on a tree is under the Almighty's curse. Now, this verse has actually been used throughout history as a proof text that Yeshua of Nazareth could not be the Messiah. Certain groups would say, how could he be? We know that he was cursed because he was hung on a tree as a criminal. Look at him. He's cursed, naked, bloody, hanging on a tree. He's cursed of Elohim. He's cursed of Yahweh. How could he be the Messiah? But Paul does not shy away from the fact 
that the Messiah was hung on a tree. Now remember, anybody hung on a tree is cursed of the Almighty. Paul believes it, but he adds in those two little words that I told you not to ever forget about. Paul says the Messiah became a curse for us. His hanging on the tree was not because of his own sins. He didn't have any. It was because of your sins, and it was because of my sins. He did not earn the curse. He did not deserve the curse. He took upon himself the curse for us. And it was in accordance with the law of Yahweh in Deuteronomy 21. Whoever is hung upon a tree is cursed of the Almighty. And as Galatians 3.14, as we close out, says, very simple verse when you read it in context, it says the purpose of this was that the blessing of Abraham... What is the blessing of Abraham? That's the gospel that was preached to Abraham back in verses 7 through 9. That in him all the nations of the earth would be blessed. Talking about spiritual blessing. Well, the purpose was is that the promise to Abraham would come to the Gentiles in Messiah Yeshua so that we, all of us, could receive the promise of the Spirit. Remember the Judahites got it in Acts chapter 2? The Gentiles got it in Acts chapter 10. Same Spirit. Gentiles received the same gift to show that there was no differentiation or distinction between the two groups. Yahweh was saving them both, both by grace, through faith, and that not of their selves. It's the gift of Yahweh, not of works, least any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 through 9, verse 10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Yeshua, unto good works, which Yahweh hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. All of us are under the curse, but when any of us places faith in the one who took upon himself the curse, the curse that we're under is lifted off. It's beautiful. It's powerful. It's powerful. You could take the most heathen sinner man or woman in the world, and if they have genuine faith in Christ, all of their sins and crimes can be lifted off of them on the eternal plane, and they can live forever, even if they come in at the 11th hour at the end of time. Even if they come in. Think about the criminal on the torture stake beside Yeshua. All he said was, remember me, Lord, when you come into your kingdom. He didn't have any time to make any amends. But he placed faith in the seed of Abraham that was hanging next to him. I don't even know how much he even knew. But he placed faith. And that faith caused him. He said, I, I assure you today that you will be with me in paradise. See, that's how powerful and how loving our Heavenly Father is. That He would do that for us by sending us His Son. The blessing of Abraham, the gospel, comes upon the Jew and the Gentile, but only through faith in the promised Messiah. Brothers and sisters, there is not one of us in here who are worthy of the blood of Yahweh's Lamb. He is the Lamb of Yahweh. He takes away the sin of the world, but He will not take your sin away you do not repent of your sin and place faith in Him and trust in Him. You need the curse of the law lifted off of you. Even if you're a Judahite like Paul, that curse is still on you and it will not be removed because of who you are in the flesh. The only way the curse is removed is by placing your faith in the one who became a curse for you. None of us are good enough to be saved. None of us are. But let me tell you this. None of us are bad enough to not be saved. Yahweh is in the saving business. 
He's in the delivering business. People may not forgive you. Families may not forgive you. Our Heavenly Father, He will. He will. When you repent. When you repent. And even if He wants to save a murderer, He can do that. He can have him knocked down and blinded and sent to a gospel preacher. Amen. That's what He did with Saul of Tarsus. So if you've placed faith in the Messiah, the curse has been removed off of you. All of your sins have been taken care of in Christ. The Almighty was in the Messiah, reconciling the world to Himself. And listen to this, not counting their trespasses against them. Rest in that. That alone is the gospel of grace in Christ. Herein is love. Not that you love Yahweh, but that He loved you, John says, and sent His Son to be the propitiation. That's a big fancy theological word. If you read the King James, right? Not against the word propitiation. But what does it mean? You know what it means? Removal of the curse. Removal of the wrath. That's what propitiation means, just to make it simple. Yahweh loved us. Herein is love. Not that we love Yahweh, but He loved us and sent His Son to remove the curse that was upon both Israelite and heathen. You know, I believe that Yeshua loved us as well. I believe He loved us. There's no greater love that a man could have than He laid down His life for His friend. I believe that Yeshua went willingly to the tree to obey His Father's will. It was tough. It was tough in the Garden of Gethsemane when He prayed, if it be possible, let this cup pass. The cup is what's about to happen. The wrath of Yahweh is about to come on Him, not because of what He did, but He's about to take upon Himself the sins of the world. If it's possible, let it pass. But nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. See, He submitted. So it shows you that He loved us but I think that the Father's love gets dismissed by many people. Had it not been for the love of Yahweh the Father, Yeshua would have never even come on the scene. Christ would have never been born in Bethlehem had it not been for Yahweh the Father and His love. And so, as I close today, I would like to honor our Father's great love and what He's done for us with a little song. And we'll pray. Yahweh loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Little ones to Him belong. They are weak, but He is strong. Yes, Yahweh loves me. Yes, Yahweh loves me. Yes, Yahweh loves me. The Bible tells me so. Yahweh, Father, forgive us of our sins. Create a clean heart in us. Thank you for sending your Son to us. Thank you for removing the curse off of us in the Messiah. Our words, our words could never do justice to the, all of the thanksgiving that we owe to you. We could never praise you enough. We could never thank you enough. 
Yet you accept us in your Son. You accept us in Christ. Thank you, Yahweh. Thank you for removing the curse off of me. I'm amazed every day that you saved me from my sins. I'm truly amazed. Thank you for not dealing with me as I deserve. You are a good, loving Father. And I praise you. Bring us back here next week, Yahweh, to have another set-apart public gathering and sing and share and read your word and teach and listen and understand. We pray all these things through Messiah. Amen. Now we bless you. Shalom.